stay in the space of an awareness of his presence. He's always working. He's done so much, but he's always working. He never stops. I received the word Wednesday night at community. I thought it was for something else, but the Lord reminded me of it. This man said, the Lord's going to go ahead of you and pretty much do everything. You're just going to come in and polish it off. <laughs> Here we are. So I'm just going to follow the Spirit. I've been praying, been listening up until the, the moment that Donnie just gave me the microphone. I'm just going to just share what I feel in the moment. And, just even as we were singing, just my heart's wide open to you. Keep that open heart. Trust he's going to speak to you exactly what you need to hear. He's going to meet you exactly where you need to be met tonight. He knows the hearts of each and every one of us. And just as we had the Father's voice sung over us, his love for us, he is love, he loves us. One thing I wanted us to see tonight is there's a love story that's already been written. It's already been written. It started with this eternal God that existed before creation. And then we open up our Bibles and we get to the book of Genesis and we see in his infinite wisdom, his infinite power, he created the world, and He created human beings. He created us. And as we continue this journey through this story, we can see some of these events. We can wonder. We can be like an outsider looking in. What did it, what did it feel like when Noah was building the ark and everyone looked at him like he was crazy? What did it feel like when, when Peter had just confessed Jesus as the Messiah? And moments later, as the disciples are all watching, Jesus calls him Satan. Get behind me, Satan. And we can read these stories God's given us to reveal his heart, to reveal who he is. And we can feel like an outsider looking in. And the story continues. We see Jesus, the Messiah, born. We journey through his life. We see him willingly go to the cross for us. When we were not deserving, the example of God's love on the cross to die for our sin. Once again, we see the power of God raising him from the dead. We see him exhort his disciples before he ascends back to the right hand of the Father. We see the Holy Spirit poured out at Pentecost on the church just as Jesus promised. And we see a church set ablaze, set on fire. Doesn't matter what persecution comes, they can't help but share about him. They can't help but talk about him. And again, we're, we're outsiders looking in, kind of wishing we were there kind of wishing we would see this around us in the days we live in. And this love story, it's a love story. 
this love story continues and we get to the book of Revelation. It's a revelation God gave to the Apostle John to show his servants what must soon take place. God says, oh, blessed are those who hear this prophecy, who keep it close to their heart because the time is near. The time is near. Jesus is coming back soon. We see towards the end of this story given to us in the word of God in Revelation 21. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Write, because these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. so in this beautiful love story that we can often feel like an outsider looking in on, we come to these events that haven't taken place yet. God, once again in his infinite wisdom, he's given us a glimpse of what is coming soon. But it hasn't happened yet. And we then come to realize that we are actually not just reading a story that doesn't involve us. We have actually been placed into this story. Somewhere between the creation of Genesis and somewhere between the return of Jesus and the crying out for it in Revelation, God has sovereignly placed us in this story. We're a part of it. And in his wisdom, he has chosen to place you in this day, in this time, in the earth. And he's given you the grace and the gifts needed to walk in what we are walking in and living in in these days. And you each have a part. <laughs> Every single one of you God prepared works in advance for you to walk into the glory of his name. You're playing a part in this beautiful love story.
and in 2 Peter chapter 3, <laughs> he speaks of this day. He says, the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Now, since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, so in light of all of this, Peter says, it is clear what sort of people you should be. In holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God. Oh, and then Peter says something that, <laughs> it fascinates me, it challenges me. He says, and hasten its coming. Speed the coming of the Lord, that we could live our lives in a way that actually hastens Jesus' return. It makes him come sooner. This is what Peter tells us we should be doing. And what's, what's wild is that if there's a way we can live our lives that hastens the day of his coming, there's also a way we can live our lives that actually delays the return of Jesus, that delays the return of the bridegroom that we so long to see face to face, the marriage feast of the Lamb, God with us, us with him like it was always meant to be. In Revelation 21, we read of those things and then it continues in verse 7 and it says, it tells us the type of person who will inherit these things. And it says, the one who conquers will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. These beautiful promises are to the one who conquers or the one who overcomes. And we see this phrase in multiple places in the book of Revelation. There's seven letters that were given to seven different churches where the Lord reveals his heart for the church, and there's many things where he says, well done, you're doing this well. But there's also things where he comes and he says, I have this against you. I want you to change in this way. I want you to be zealous and to repent. Your works aren't finished. You've lost your first love. And he calls them to change, and he makes it very clear what's at stake if they don't. I will remove your lampstand. I will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. And in each of those letters, there's two phrases that appear in every one of them. Let those who hear, those who have ears hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So we listen. We listen to what the Spirit is saying. And the second phrase that appears in each and every letter is to the one who conquers, to the one who overcomes with beautiful promises, beautiful promises of the inheritance that is coming to the one who conquers, to the one who overcomes. 
Back in Revelation 21, after it says, the one who conquers will inherit these things. I will be his God. He will be my son. Verse 8 then lists groups of people whose share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. In a lot of churches in the days we're living in, they're speaking less and less about the reality of hell. Because our world wants you to feel good. And speaking about eternal torment doesn't feel good. But the reality of the Bible is even as Jesus himself walked the earth, recorded in the Gospels, he spoke about it over 40 times. And even in Revelation 20, verse 10, we see the ultimate eternal destination for the devil. It says, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are. And then we see what happens in that lake. They will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. There will be no end to their torment. That is what awaits those who go to the lake of fire. And so in Revelation 21, verse 8, we see these groups of people that are specifically named where they will not have the inheritance of being with God, but their share will be the lake of fire. And we see that it's going to be true for those that continue to be faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Those groups of people who don't repent, they don't turn to the Lord, they don't ask forgiveness, they continue in that lifestyle and in that sin. And they'll receive the wrath of God by their choice. But then in that list, at the beginning of that list, there's, there's a description and in some ways it doesn't really seem like it would fit with the others. It says the cowards, the cowards, their share will also be in the lake of fire. It said that the cowardly, the cowardly, how can that be as bad as the, the murderers, the sexually immoral? And I read, I read these verses, I read just the verse before where it speaks about the one who conquers In Hebrews 10, it says, For yet in a very little while the coming one, Jesus, will come and not delay. Oh, but it says, My righteous one will live by faith. And it says, If he draws back, if he shrinks back, I have no pleasure in him. Oh, but the writer says, We, (laughs) the righteous, we're not those who draw back and are destroyed. We're those who have faith and are saved. We're those who have faith and are saved. I was reminded of of David's exhortation to to Solomon, his son, towards the end of his life in 1 Chronicles 22. 
You see, the Lord had come to David and said, David, you're not going to build me a house. You've waged many great wars and you've shed much blood. Your son is going to build me a house. He's going to be at peace. There's going to be peace and rest for Israel and for Solomon. But then in the midst of that, David says to him in verse 13, he says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Which is an interesting exhortation to give to someone who's been promised to have peace and rest. Joshua had the same, but he was about to fight many battles in taking the promised land. But David comes and he says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. But what he said before giving him that exhortation was, you will succeed if you carefully follow the statutes and ordinances of the Lord. And he prayed that the Lord would give Solomon insight and understanding in leading Israel so he may keep the law of the Lord his God. And so there's a strength and a courage and an overcoming to follow the Lord, to keep his word, to do what he's asking of us in the word and by the spirit in our day-to-day -day lives. And it requires strength. It requires courage. It requires reminding ourselves that he is with us. Just as we were singing, forever God is with us. Forever God is faithful. He will not leave us. We're called to live this life with strength and courage. And I want to leave you with three practical examples of this that Jude gave us in his letter. Jude said, I, I wanted to write to you about the salvation that we share, which I'm sure would have been a phenomenal letter. But he said, actually, with what's happening around you, I have to share you and, and encourage you to contend, to contend for the faith that has been given to us, that's been delivered to us all once for all. I'm appealing to you to contend for this faith. And in verse 20, he shares three things that I just want to touch on, and then we'll see where the Spirit leads us. He says, but you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. And Jude gives us three things to help us contend to help us conquer, to help us overcome. And the first one he gives us is to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. To build ourselves up in our most holy faith. Paul says it this way in Colossians 2. He says, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, it doesn't stop there. Paul says, just as you received him as Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. 
overflowing with gratitude. There's a building up that we're to do in our faith as we walk in him, as we root ourselves in him. Are you building yourself up in your most holy faith? Number two, Jude says, pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 6, we're given the armor of God that we are to put on so that when the evil day comes, we may stand. That we may stand. And in verse 18, Paul says, pray at all times. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. The Spirit led us into that tonight during our worship. How often are you praying in the Spirit? Are you staying alert through prayer? Are you persevering through prayer? So number two, pray in the Spirit. And then number three, Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And God loved us so much that he sent his son while we were still sinners to die for us. That we may have eternal life with him. And this just revealed who he is. He is love. The cross was the revelation of his character and his attribute of love. God is love. And he loves you. Some of you just need to hear that. You think he doesn't like you. He loves you. He loves you. And yet Jude says about this God, keep yourselves in the love of God. And in our discipleship school, we've had this phrase that's been so helpful to me. I've shared it with the students. And the phrase is this. Find the love of Jesus and then love him back. Find the love of Jesus and then love him back. And this applies for every situation, every circumstance that we face. We can lose sight in the midst of the trials, the tribulations, the persecution, the suffering. We can lose sight of his love. Whatever is happening around you, reconnect to him. Reconnect to his word, his promises, who he is, what he says over you. In whatever situation you're in, find the love of Jesus. And only once you've done that, then love him back. Whatever that looks like, it could be ministering to him, praising him, thanking him. It could look like forgiving your brother or sister. Realizing how much you've been forgiven. But once you've found the love of Jesus, you love him back. His love language is obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And that will keep you in the love of God. And you might say, Pete, I'm not sure that I that I can be a conqueror. 
maybe some of these young guys, maybe some of the guys that have been in church for 10 years or 20 years or 40 years. Maybe they can be conquerors. Maybe they can be overcome. But Pete, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not even encouraged by this. I don't know if I can do this, Pete. And I get it. I get it. Jesus said, he said, in this world you'll have trouble. He said, take heart. He has overcome the world. And then Jude, just as Jude exhorts them in these three things, he finishes off his letter with such an important reminder for each one of us when we feel that we, we, I, I can't do this. Jude points our eyes where they need to go back, and that's off ourselves. And Jude says this, he says, now to him who is able <laughs> to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. And we're reminded that anything he calls us to, he is able and he will give us the grace and the strength to walk out as we walk with him, empowered by his spirit. And if he says, we're to be ones who conquer and overcome. He will give us everything we need as we posture our hearts towards obeying him in that, towards seeking his face, towards building ourselves up in him, praying at all times in the spirit, and keeping ourselves in his love. That's the encouragement I was feeling from the Spirit as I walked in here. And it's so beautiful what he did before I even shared a word. <laughs> he just reminded each one of us that he is here. He loves us. He wants to do this in us, and he will do it in us. He will. He will. He will.